0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: Bill absolutely could have done whatever he wanted. We got, we got married in New York City, like right in the middle of, uh, you know, kind of near Times Square somewhat. Could have gone out there, tied her up, thrown her into the, you know, a suit of like Elmo. I would have been fine with it. <laughs>
2: I would have been totally good with it. Let me ask you something. Uh you're you're a little bit older than me. Not this certainly isn't a criticism, but you have lots of siblings. You guys all have a lot of the the standard names. And I again, I'm Joe, very standard, right. but Bill, uh, Chris, Wait, I'll run it down, Jim.
1: For you. All very standard, except for the middle names. Bill, Dan, Steve, Jim, Mary, Chris. Yeah, there okay. you go. My middle name, O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> like the airport? Yeah. O'Hara. You're named after (laughs) O'Hara. Not O'Hare. O'Hara. Same thing to me. (laughs) My brother Steve's middle name Cormac.
2: (laughs) Are these last names of other people in the family?
1: Uh, Because that's what they do in the South. O'Hara was. Cormac was like a, uh, you know, a Gaelic thing, Irish situation.
2: What's your your middle name is O'Hara?
1: Yeah. And where does that come from? H A R A.
2: Hmm? Where does that come? Well, so how do that you, is my... So are, the, are your initials
1: C-O-C or C-O-H-C? They are unfortunate however you look at it and whatever. It's not good. But... <laughs> 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 Hold on. I got to do this for the audience if they didn't get it.
2: Think about the letters it. of it's his a- name and just picture them going from left to right in your mind.
1: Right. C-O-H-C. <laughs> The H usually is not in there, but, you know.
3: Uh, this is the Either best. way.
1: <laughs> Did people, when you were young, yes, realize that and yes, call you that? <laughs> yes. 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 Didn't call me that. Did not call me that. But it was brought to my attention more than once.
2: Did they ever make jokes that you should marry a woman whose last name started with K and then hyphenate your name? No.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, oh,
2: that's it for me. I am. I am done. I am. I'll see you for the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> Fortinbaugh is no spelled F O R T E N B A U G A. So no. Okay.
2: Okay. I, I can't make any more jokes on this. I'll derail the whole show. Oh, this is incredible. Well, but
1: here's the point. Yeah. What is? That? <laughs> First of all, a that was not an ideal situation, and it was true. Uh, but B. Uh, Yes, it was a maternal grandmother's name. Yeah. A okay. maternal grandmother's name. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. But like yeah, I mean I, I hated my middle name as a kid. I love it now. I love the fact that I have O'Hara.
2: It's in it's unique. And that's so is you, you wanna you wanna see when you're young, that's the thing. Everyone just wants to conform. And what we preach to children is, you know, try stand out. It's okay. Be you, be unique, be different. No, 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 I don't wanna stand out. I wanna get made fun of. And then you get older, you look back on that stuff like I'm I'm Joseph Harrison Fortinball the fourth. Right. My son is the fifth. That's some ridiculous Game of Thrones type stuff we have going on. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was absurd, but then you get older, you're like, no, that's awesome. Except for the fact that every nurse in the hotel comes in to wake up the baby to say, oh, oh, it's just, I've never met a fifth before. And it's like, beat it. The baby's sleeping. You're going to walk out of here and I'm not going to see you for six and a half hours.
1: <laughs> I've never I met got a, a fifth deal- before. I-
2: yeah, like they like nurses, nurses that work in mother baby units. My mom's one of them. Like those are unique things that are, you know, it's on like their little bingo card of
1: yes, their work life. But like, is the kid any different than any other kid? No, they're they're no. a mess like the rest of them. Are, are, are they? In a, do they come out in a top hat and tails because of the <laughs> f-
2: they comes out with a sword <laughs> like Jon Snow? Okay, okay, we got to bring it back here.
1: <laughs> Woo. Uh, carlin versus oh. joe espn radio sirius xm channel 80 presented by progressive insurance Whew. joseph what do we got here this breaking news with ben johnson today for those who are unaware uh broke about an hour ago that he is going to stay in detroit as the lions offensive coordinator now there are different things out there here is some of what adam Schefter has had to say number one that perhaps Uh, The commanders and or the Seahawks were a little bit spooked by what his asking price might have been. Number two, how about this? This is a little tough to take if you're interviewing for a job, okay? Commander's officials, this is from Adam just a little while ago. Commander's officials were en route to Detroit for a meeting with Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn when they got word that Johnson was staying with the Lions per sources. They, While were, the, they were on the plane? Yes, en route. While the abrupt pivot by Johnson was considered, quote, surprising by several league sources, he was not considered a lock for the commander's job, despite his strong reputation as a coordinator and loyal coach. Interesting word used there. The commander's leadership team remains eager to meet with the respected Glenn, who is one of several candidates the team is expected to consider, for their head coaching vacancy. All right. Well, that sounds like a sentence that they want out there. Hopefully, Aaron Glenn gets a chance because I think he's going to have a good chance to get a, to be a really good head coach, a or, very smart guy.
2: Counterpoint Schefter was like, I really need to get the word loyal in here today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> there's none of that that seems right. <laughs> like, to me, Commander's officials are en route, and you let them know when they're coming? That's the one that stands out. That's the one that stands
2: out because it lacks professionalism, does it not? Is, it am does. I wrong to say that? Because you would think that even if you are deciding that you're going to yank yourself out of this equation, the flight from Washington to Detroit is not long. That is not a long flight. It's an hour and a half max. So 90 minutes. You're telling me that 90-minute window is when you decided to let them know? They could have landed, shown up, and face-to-face, you could have gone to meet them and say, look, I've got some bad news, because you know that they're still there to interview Glenn as well. So, like, they were still going to come. You could have waited to do it face-to-face, or you could have let them know before. The fact that this happens while they're on the plane just reeks of unprofessionalism and now I don't know maybe that's standard practice in this industry I'm not sure but from what I understand you're eventually looking for 15 million a year you're eventually looking to be a head coach one day but then you know what the counter to this is Josh McDaniels was able to leave everybody hanging in Indianapolis screw up a bunch of families of assistant coaches who had left for that job and then were left holding the bag and he was able to go back to New England and he still got another head coaching job so can you really do anything all that bad
1: I mean, I, I, it took a few years after that, if I'm not mistaken. It took almost a decade.
2: Uh, yeah. Not a decade.
1: It, not, it, half it took, a decade. It took like three or four or five years for him to get back in the mix. And the team that hired him was the Raiders, who don't exactly do things according to form. Here's my point. So, wait. You reportedly were asking for $15 million a year at one point. And now it's you're not going to get the job. At least maybe you got those sense that you weren't going to get the job. So now you're not even going to meet with us and you don't tell us until we get there or until we're on the way there. Like, what is that? Like to me at the very minimum, even if you know, you're not taking the job, you go meet with them. If, if it was possible, you go meet with them. That's respect. Is it not? That that feels like everything that you're supposed to do when you're trying to get a job, he did the
2: opposite. What what we're seeing here, and, and again, a lot of this has to be pieced together and we have to see how much of it's actually true, how much is rumor, how much is, is speculation, how much has been exaggerated. But it reeks a little bit of arrogance over the last, what, Not a year or so. I mean, yeah. at, at one point you have this story that comes out that there's a coordinator asking for $15 million a year. I, now, I could be wrong. I have never heard of that happening before I've heard of different players talking about how much they want when they hit free agency. I've heard of boxers talking about how much they want to fight another guy. Like what percentage of the purse I've heard of numbers being thrown out all the time. But when it comes to coaches, I've never heard of a coordinator who's never been a head coach putting a price on what it's going to take to get them. Now, maybe it's an overzealous agent. Maybe it's not, but that's one thing. Then throughout the hiring cycle, As jobs are getting snatched up and it looks like we're down to the final two and perhaps maybe you're getting word that you might not be the guy pulling the ripcord on this whole thing, pulling yourself, quote, out of consideration so that it doesn't look as if you were turned down for the job you turned them down and letting them know when they're in the air. Everything about this just, it doesn't look good for a guy who's probably going to want to re-enter this cycle next year at this time, does it
1: not? Uh, I think it's poor form across the board. But we'll likely,
2: we'll likely all just forget about it anyway as soon as, you know, something happens tomorrow. And if he has another good year as the coordinator of the Detroit Lions, which, you know, most of that offense, if not all of it's coming back, he should be in pretty good shape for next
1: year. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series Six M Channel 80. When you're trying to find quality candidates, all the searching, screening and interviewing. That can become a job itself. You need indeed the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to interview, screen, and hire quality people. Visit indeed.com/slash credit. The very latest on the commander's situation and their head coaching search with our insider in moments. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, including the iHeart app.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe Podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive What's going on with the Commanders right now and this whole situation with Ben Johnson? Let's get the very latest. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. John Keim, who covers the Commanders for ESPN NFL Nation, joins us right now. John, uh, how surprised were you that we got the news that Ben Johnson was pulling out of consideration or pulling out of the job uh, to potentially... Take the or become the commander's head coach uh, to stay in Detroit, or was it just a case of saving face by saying he was pulling out of this?
3: Well, first of all, I'm surprised, but I will say I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they floated this as a possibility as a, hey, he did this last year, and there were some people thought he could do it again, but that doesn't mean that's different than speculating on that versus believing it'll actually happen because it's very hard to have a couple years in a row where you're a hot name that you decide to go back. And um, I I do believe that the commanders certainly would have wanted him. And so I don't I don't know that it's a matter of saving face. And because of what I heard last night and because he did this last year where he wanted to go back to Detroit to kind of run it back and see what they could do, Then it's like so. I do think that's a big part of it for him. So, but I still surprised because again, like people don't do this. It doesn't happen very often where where they do this.
2: Okay, so take us through a bit of the process here, starting with was Ben Johnson the top candidate for the Washington job? And if so, now that he's out, where do you think you see them zeroing in? Who are the potential candidates? Who's at the top of the
3: list? So, yes, I do believe he. let me back up. So when they hired Adam Peters as GM at the time, I heard you know, that was their number one guy probably by a decent amount, right? Because he, you know, he was the guy that they really, really wanted. They had some ties to him they really wanted. Going into the coaching process, it was there are a lot of guys that they like, and there was nobody who was that far ahead as Adam Peters was in the GM search. Having said that, I do believe that he – if Probably was at the top of their list. And I say probably because I just but I do think that he was at the top of their list. The people in the league that you would talk to all kept pointing to Johnson joining Washington. And so I don't yeah that's why I say, I do think that he was their preferred guy. Where they go from here, they they they've talked to they've already talked to Bobby Slowick. They talked to him last week. They talked to Anthony Weaver, Mike McDonald from Baltimore yesterday. They're talking to Aaron Glenn today, and they talked to Dan Quinn today. So it's going to be one of, that, one of somebody in that group. Mike McDonald has ties to the, to the commanders. Eugene Shen, who was hired as Washington's VP of football strategy, worked with him in Baltimore. They were close. Not that he's going to say, you've got to hire this guy, but I think that knowledge helps. And um, so I think there's a guy to watch. Dan Quinn is a guy to watch. Just because he's been in that role before, um, he has some of the leadership traits that they really want and what they've said they want in a, in a next head coach. So I think he, and he, again, he's the only one of that group who has the experience. And then after that, I think it becomes interesting because if you, they do have the number two pick. If you want to go offense, then the only other offensive guy right now is Bobby Slowick. And um, if you want another guy who's a really strong leader, you hear that about Aaron Glenn. So, you know, I think that's where you're kind of looking at it right now. But McDonald has been a guy that's been very impressive with his defenses the last couple of years. And so, you know, it wouldn't shock me if it's him. But I don't know that there's a leader in, the, in, in this whole race at this point based on, on on what I know. I just I don't know.
1: John Kahn, ESPN NFL Nation Commanders reporter joining us. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Uh, speaking of experience, you've been on this since the get-go. Why wasn't Belichick, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, any of these guys real, seemingly on the commander's radar?
3: Yeah, I know, like Belichick was never on the radar, um, and Vrabel, you know, I never heard his name either. Harbaugh I never heard his name. But I think some of that comes down to how they want to set the organization. They don't want to have a coach who has a tremendous amount of power, and you just hired Adam Peters to be the number one football guy, um, and then. Um, So I think that's a definite part of it for all those coaches who've been around and been successful. They're going to want to have some say more say in the operation than maybe what's going to take place here. Um, So I think, you know, and that's part, I know like analytics was, is a big deal for them. So if a coach doesn't embrace analytics the way they want, then it's, then it's going to be a no-go. So Pete Carroll is the one that's interesting to me because you don't hear, like you hear about why not Grable, why not the others? from other jobs too, but you haven't heard that with Carroll. And he's, he's as successful, you know, not as successful as Belichick, but he's been very, very successful. And um, so, but I have not heard his name here either. Um, if they, if they go out and hire him, that would be another big curveball. but I have not heard his name to this point.
2: John, one thing Chris and I were talking about before you came on with us that I want to circle back to with Ben Johnson was that the, the commanders were notified en route, To Detroit, they were going to meet with him and defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. They were notified en route that he was pulling himself out of contention. Here, that's not a long flight, and it's a very interesting window in which someone's going to find out that the meeting's not going to take place. We does that reek of unprofessionalism to you? I know I'm putting you in a tough spot here. The way I phrased
3: it, yeah, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to say that only because what there's. They were going up there to talk to Aaron Glenn as well. So they had already, they were going to be going there anyways. I think if they were en route and he was the only guy they're going to talk to, it's probably not the best look. But I can't, you know, I haven't heard that word attached to him in the past. And part of it too, because again, I, you know, somebody floated this to me last night. So there are clearly some people who feel like this is that he may have a tough decision to make, and maybe he wanted to get away from that game another day to see, like, well, is this really what I want to do? I don't know. I can't speak for him, but I have not heard that. And, again, because they're going up there to talk to Aaron Glenn anyway, they they were still going to be going to Detroit, it sounded like.
1: John, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for the insight. Thank you. John Kime, ESPN NFL Nation Commanders reporter. I want to bring up something he just said in there. They don't want a head coach... Who has too much power. And so when I hear a sentence like that, it makes me think of the other guys that have been hired here so far, with the exception of Harbaugh. And it we we have read a lot lately about different coaches and their opposition to being analytics heavy. You know what this feels like? What's that? Feels like baseball where maybe they're trying to drive down the importance of the head coach like they did with the manager in baseball. Now, you if, if that's what is going on, you can't do that in football. It is completely different than it is in baseball. But it kind of feels like we are getting into an, uh, an era where they're trying to reemphasize the front office and their role in everything to drive down costs. Because you can drive down costs on coaches if you're going to say that coaches are not nearly as important as as maybe talent is. It's a fascinating,
2: fascinating notion. Because in baseball, I was front and center when it happened in San Francisco. Gone is Bruce Bochy, who, yep. let's be honest, one of the all-time greats. As right? we just saw, one of just the won World Series all-time greats, and they run him out to bring in Gabe Kapler, who failed spectacularly in Philadelphia. And as soon as he was gone, Philly got good. He goes to San Francisco, has one fluky good season, then the team pretty much goes in the tank, and then he ends up with another job somewhere else. But the reality is they wanted a guy that was directly under Farhan Zaidi, who's up top, and that was going to report basically directly to them. And, you know, the notion is always that the GMs and the presidents are pulling the strings and the managers are just doing what they're told, and then everyone always says, no, 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 they've got complete autonomy on game day, they're doing it. But that's interesting in terms of how it works. Now, I— I would venture to say part of it is we don't want too much on the coach's plate. The head coach oh. is a tough job as is. We don't want that guy also in charge of personnel, also in charge of the draft. Because to be honest with you, how many head coaches are scouting players prior to the end of their season. The answer's probably few, and they're not doing an in-depth work on that. You want the guys who are spending all year on that to have a say because they have more information. They've talked to more people. It always sounded weird to me. I, I talked to a guy, he's, he's a front office guy now, he was a scout at one point, and he told me how the process worked. He was a regional scout once a year, A week or two before the draft, he and all the scouts would be flown in. They'd be put in a room, and the head coach was there, and the general manager was there, and they'd kind of go around the room. And That was the only time the scouts were there talking directly with these guys, giving some thoughts, and then they were sent on their way. And I thought, you got this guy out on the road all year meeting these guys, interviewing these guys, talking to these guys, watching these guys, and then they're flown in for one meeting outside of the reports they file, and that's it? And meanwhile, here's the head coach making the decision and he's not getting familiar with these guys till January when he shows up at the Senior Bowl.
1: Hmm. It's interesting. I'll tell you, you're trying to de-emphasize that it's not necessarily the way that it's going to translate the way that you expect it to. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to save money. When you bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renters, you'll earn multi-policy discounts. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit Progressive.com. Now, we have spent a lot of time today on an NFL MVP, but there is a huge story regarding a former MVP in the NBA that absolutely needs to be discussed. It's next, Carlin vs. Joe on ESPN Radio and the TuneIn app.
0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My
1: master asks, what do you seek here?
0: To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the Global Bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Had it come? FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert.
2: Pizza, pizza. Hey, look at us. We're on a hot streak. One. We won one last night. We're so hot. The second bet we made, Aninobi and Obi didn't even end up playing, so that was refunded. So we win with Cameron Johnson. Hooray. Still down quite a bit. Time to turn it around, although we keep saying that and it doesn't work. Two NBA bets for you tonight. Number one's a player prop in the Boston Celtics matchup against the Indiana Pacers. Jalen Brown over 29 and a half points plus rebounds. Okay, you combine his points and rebounds, we need 30 minimum and it wins. The prop is 29 and a half. Four games against the Pacers this season, he's averaging 35 and a half points plus rebounds per game. Okay, it's a fantastic matchup. The totals 245. It should be a very high-scoring game. Halliburton's back. It should be competitive. Jalen Brown over 29 and a half points plus rebounds. In addition, gonna take a swing here. The 76ers are plus three and a half in Golden State to take on the Warriors. Sixers just played last night in Portland. We're gonna play Philly. We're gonna take the points here. No Embiid, no Maxi last night. I'm taking a swing. I'm hoping they play, and if they do, this line's gonna move. OK, uh, in should feast, the Warriors have done very poorly against opposing quality scoring big men this year. So your two pizza monies for today, Sixers plus three and a half over the Warriors. Jalen Brown over twenty nine and a half points plus rebounds.
0: 76 er star Joel Embiid continues to deal with left knee soreness out a second consecutive game i don't know how you go from being active to out and i'm sure the league will do their due diligence and because that's frowned upon that knee
1: is an issue that he's gonna have to manage for the rest of the season now do you see him missing a second straight game with the knee soreness i think it lends credence to what he was feeling before that denver game at the same
2: time how can you really question what a player is feeling when he's been criticized so many years for not being healthy in the playoffs
1: either I'm not going to lie, Joseph. You know, uh, I had a little layover at the Miami airport on Saturday following the North Carolina-Florida State game here on ESPN Radio. And I sat down at the Corona Beach House to get a little dinner. Look at you. Yeah. And I look up, and the Sixers and the Nuggets are on. I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I look up, and I realize, where's the big fella? Embiid not playing. What? What is going on? With Joel Embiid, it's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joe, I I couldn't believe it when he wasn't playing. And I'm like, they really are picking now to rest him here? I know that he played against him. You know, two teams played in Phil, banged up again. And you talked about this last week. That 65 number uh, becoming very real when it comes to Mr. Embiid and his chances of winning another MVP.
2: That was brutal news to get on Saturday because there was no football. We had yeah. no playoff, but we had nothing. Everybody. I was up for that game. Everybody was looking forward to Jokic and Embiid. Everybody. And then Embiid gets ruled out and everyone starts complaining like crazy. Now here's the thing. Given the way the NBA is cracking down on load management and looking at this stuff this year and the new rules they've they've enforced, I don't think there were any shenanigans here. In the morning, Embiid wasn't even on the injury report, and then he was ruled out. And everyone thinks, oh, that's so ridiculous. I can't believe the league has to look into it. Yeah, the league's going to look into it. But then Embiid didn't play last night in Portland either. It looks like there's a knee issue here. Now, how serious? I have no idea. But I don't think the Sixers are playing any sort of shell games here with the NBA. It feels like there's something that's off. Now, to your point on the 65 games, that, I believe, is 12 misses, which means he can miss five more games the rest of the way. And I think we have like 37 or 38 to play. He can miss Five more games, he'll hit 17 misses for the season, and that will put him right on 65. Oh. So he'd be eligible for all the postseason awards and the all-NBA teams. But if he misses six or more, that's it. He is disqualified from all of that. And as uh, some people asked last night, texting me, emailing me very late into the evening, what happens if you bet Embiid to win MVP or are those tickets refunded? They are not not refunded. He's not winning the MVP. You are not getting your money back on that.
1: Yeah, that's the old screw job you got right there. Sorry.
2: Well, I mean, that's see, that's the thing. I I like this rule because it's it more guys are playing this year. Yeah. I like the rule. But here's because we're seeing the Clipper Stars play for the first time in ever. And and guess what? They're a really good team. It's fun to watch them. The the thing is, once you have one of these star players disqualified from an award like this, when he's clearly one of the top candidates, that's going to cause a lot of backlash, and eventually the NBA is going to have to tweak the rules. So I don't think the 65-game rule is, is, is for long. I don't think we're going to see this for a long time, but I do think some iteration of it is going to remain in place because it is working in a lot of instances.
1: Here's Tim Legler on the situation when, with Embiid right now, ESPN NBA analyst.
2: The problem he's running into right now with regard to the award, if he does play enough games— is this whole narrative around not playing against Jokic in Denver. It's taken on a life of its own, and I think now you see him missing a second straight game with the knee soreness. I think it lends credence to what he was feeling before that Denver game. He's getting absolutely annihilated for the fact that he's missed Denver and Jokic in Denver four years in a row, and I get it. It's a thing. That's not a fluke. That's a real thing.
1: But at the same time, how can you really question what a player is feeling when he's been criticized so many years for not being healthy in the playoffs either? Well, but here's my problem: He played against Jokic in Philly. Are we are we really saying that there's that big of a difference? Is, it, is are we going to go to the altitude? That's the concern. Sometimes that's brought up. That like
2: it's it's uh, Tom Haberstroh, who used to work here. He did a yeah. great study, a great study on home court advantage in the NBA. And the two at the top of the list are Denver and Utah, of course. And and a lot of it's the altitude. A lot of it is the scheduling. A lot of times these East Coast teams they come across the country for like a four or five game road trip and they end the trip heading back east with a stop in Denver and or Utah. So you might go play the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, and then you start flying back and you're exhausted and you're in Utah for the final game of the trip and then you come home. The altitude gets you, so sometimes teams just choose that is the game where they're going to rest some of their stars.
1: And, and this might be a little bit insensitive on my part, but frankly I don't care about Embiid in the MVP right now. Not in the least. In what, what in
2: what sense? In I, that he's I, I not... care
1: about what Embiid's going to do in the postseason. Oh, period. got it. Yeah, yeah, that's period. the storyline. I don't care about him. He won the MVP last year. Yeah, good. You want to win it again? Fine, go nuts. It better not cost you any games at all in the postseason because he understands now how important it is to win a championship when you are trying to set up for what your legacy is going to be in your career. That is all I care about. I could not care less about him winning the MVP. His career
2: wildly parallels Lamar Jackson's. Wildly. I know some people want to disagree. That's fine. But it's two sensational athletes who have put up ungodly numbers, won MVP awards, Pro Bowls, All-NBA teams. Like, they've done all of it. And they're both known for flaming out of the postseason. They're well, both known for it. Like, you got to be watching what just happened with Lamar thinking – how much it matters to get that chip, or at least to just advance, deep? Like, they haven't even been able to get to the damn conference finals. Like, they are capable. They are built over the last eight years or so. They are capable of winning one playoff series. They're a two or three seed. One year they were a one seed. They get some low-level team that barely got in. They beat them. Then they step up for their first real test, and they get waxed right out of the playoffs. It happens every year. I mean, We're not even asking you to win a title. Just make a conference championship game.
1: Well, all I can tell you is there's a lot more pressure on Josh Allen than there is on Joel
2: Embiid. (laughs) (laughs) Triple eight,
1: say ESPN. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Who's facing more pressure? (laughs) Connor
1: McDavid, Josh Allen, or Joel Embiid? (laughs) Oh, please. Connor McDavid's a joke. Is it? <laughs> Come on. I'm red kidding. Hot?
2: Edmonton red hot right now for anyone who's not paying attention.
1: Yeah, the Handman's locked in, isn't he? Knows. So. His, his, he immediately perked up and looked
2: at me like, yeah, let's get the Oilers into the show today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're in. Is the honeymoon over for one NFL darling? That's next. Carlin versus Joe on your smart speakers by saying play ESPN radio.
0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: So if you're the Washington Commanders and you thought you had your guy in Ben Johnson, think again. He is returning to the Lions as offensive coordinator, will not be a head coach next season as he pulled out of the running for that today. Now, it may have been a case where he didn't think that he was getting the job and he's doing it to save some face. That's what our guy Dan Graziano kind of danced around earlier on the show. So that is excellent news for the Detroit Lions because to have him stay And work with Jared Goff for another year in that entire offense, which is full of playmakers. You have to love where that is headed. And so that's great news. But then you've got Dan Campbell yesterday, who was asked if he had any regrets about the way things went with his play calls late in that NFC Championship game, especially on that third down. The easy thing to do is to throw it. probably should have been the right thing. Uh, but for me, I wanted to run it. I thought we would just pop it. You know, we had just 2 minutes all the way down the field throwing the football and they were in a four-down front and I believe we'd walk right in and uh, we just, we missed a block. And so then, yeah, I got to use the timeout. So hindsight, you know, throw it four times but I believed uh, in that moment it was going to be a walk and run just, and it didn't work out. So I gambled and lost. So, Here's the thing. I can relate. As can I. Big on the Ravens. Yeah. And plus, you had to give us the backdoor cover there, didn't you, too, Dan, by yeah, the way? Yeah,
2: Dan, that would have been all right if you didn't convert on that fourth down afterwards. That's yeah, that's what people that? should be asking about. Forget about the third down. How'd you actually convert on fourth? <laughs> they burn all the Niners backers there.
1: Uh, so with Dan there saying that, it's interesting because NFL head coaches by nature are going to have that – mentality of we're going to beat you. We're going to win this play. We're going to win every single play. We're going to take you out. This is where I think with Campbell, you run into bigger problems and what it has me concerned about because the idea of going for it all the time, I get it. Players love that uh, belief in their abilities, but at some point, it's going to catch up to you where a player is going to realize this guy is not making the best decisions for our football team. And that's where I think The honeymoon ended the other day for Dan Campbell. Not just as you, you were on the third down thing quite a bit yesterday. I give you all the credit. I I point to those other decisions too. I think that there was a lot of things there that may have ended that honeymoon. And now you got your OC coming back. So one of your excuses is gone.
2: See, I think we're looking at this two different ways. There's there's us, there's the media, and then, you know, on the other side there's Campbell and the Lions. And we sit here and we talk about the Lions when the Lions are in the spotlight. Hey, the Lions are playing Thursday night to open the season. That's going to be a big focal point for us. And then the Lions play in week two and three in the 1 p.m. games. And, you know, if something crazy happens, we'll talk about it. But we're mostly focused on the big players, the big teams, the big games. So we we're in and out talking about Detroit. And as they become more and more of a prominent story, we talk more about them. They're in the NFC Championship game. They go down. We nitpick the calls. We say, Campbell's got to make a better decision here. He's got to understand this, and he's got to do it better. And and all that makes sense. That's not how he or the team necessarily look at it, at least in my opinion. They look at it as a mindset. He came in, and he changed the culture by changing the mindset. They were going to be tough. They weren't going to be rolled over by anybody. There were decades, decades decades-long football of the Lions being the doormat of the NFC North, being a joke in professional football. And Campbell came in and basically said, we're not going to get bullied anymore. We're going to stand up for ourselves, and we're going to start throwing punches. And that mentality translates to the decision-making on the field. We're not going to back down fourth and three. We're going We're going because we're going to put it on you. You're not going to put it on us. And that mentality then carries over into these big spots where we all slide in and we say, nuance, Dan, nuance. You got to kick the field goal and tie it. And in his mind, it's not nuance. We're here because we're tough. We're here because we don't back down. We're here because we're going to stick it to these guys because they're a damn good football team and we want them playing on their heels. And then we all find ourselves on Monday trying to sort through all of it. I think the team buys in, and as long as they're buying into this, everything's going to be great for the Lions. The question becomes, and this is to the point you were bringing up, the question becomes, is there a moment where after this, Campbell costs them again, and then the team starts to question the message? Because the toughness has now been instilled. Now the Lions need to fine-tune, and they need to improve upon their weak spots. Their secondary is a weak spot. Some of their game management is a weak spot. I'd still take Campbell over Mike McCarthy, I'll tell you that much. In crucial situations, I just think he's got room to improve.
1: Yeah, my problem is though that the mindset can get in the way of making a bad decision. Correct, correct, he can, exactly. And, and that's where uh, it's not just throwing nuance at Dan and saying, oh, you gotta be careful, you gotta be careful. No, it's all right, the mindset's great. And that's about the culture and that's about all that. But we get into the practicality of the moment, then you gotta be careful. Because, yes, they all love it right now. But let's remember one thing here. As you were talking about them being in decades of darkness, everybody loved what happened this season. And there's nobody screaming and yelling today in Detroit about how things went south on them on Sunday. You know, maybe they're upset in the moment. But they are able to take a step back and appreciate what they just got a chance to see. But this is the same guy that after the game admitted this may be the only shot we get at it. This is not something that happens all the time. And when that window is open and you don't jump through it, you may not get another opportunity. And so that's why I'm saying for next season, all of that is out the window. The the good feelings about what's happened, that's all great. You start one and three next year, there's going to be some cranky people. Very cranky people in Detroit, and frankly, understandably so.
2: Detroit and Miami feel like they're on similar paths. Young coaches who came in, transformed the organizations, got people excited, and now need to figure out how to find the next gear. Expectations are higher. I think to Campbell, and we've drawn all these analogies with him, say what you want about Floyd Mayweather, but Mayweather never went out there looking to knock guys out with every single punch. I went and covered several Mayweather fights, and they were all the same thing. And this is why you would always bet Floyd to win by decision. It was all the same thing. He'd come out. He might lose round one. He might lose round two. It was by design. He's feeling out the opponent. He's downloading the information. He figures it out in the first couple rounds. He goes out there. He wins round three, round four, round five, round six, round seven. He'll just take five from you just like that. He'll completely flummox you. Then in round eight, you might get around from him and people think, hmm, he's, oh, look, Floyd might be getting tired. No, it's not Floyd getting tired. It's actually Floyd taking a rest for one round. He's going to take one round off to stay calm, to collect everything, because then he's going to come out as we approach the championship rounds and he's going to hammer you. He's going to get you in nine, 10, 11, and 12. He might even take 12 off because he's so far ahead on the scorecards. But the point is there's a strategy to it. Campbell's always looking for the knockout punch. Sometimes the jab will suffice. Sometimes just playing defense and getting through the round will suffice. Sometimes the field goal will suffice. That's what they've got to learn. They've got to learn that not everything is an uppercut. The left hook, the right jab, those are all valuable weapons
1: as well. Remember the movie Tin Cup? Yeah. I don't want him to be Tin Cup. Yeah, exactly. I don't want him to be Roy McAvoy. I don't want him to be David Sims either. Yeah. To be, you know, uh, Don Johnson in that movie, but where he's just laying up all the time, it's just being smart. It's just being smart. And I actually think that is exceptionally fixable for him. Yeah. I hell mean, yeah. Like I'd be I that's so much more like I'd so much rather be Dan Campbell than Mike McDaniel right now about what's fixable with my situation and what's not.
2: Campbell the thing with Campbell that you have to feel is they had the NFC championship. They were good enough to win it. If yep. you're Baltimore, you were not good enough to win the AFC championship. No one's looking at that game going, oh, the Ravens could have won except. No, everyone looks at the Ravens and go, man, they were poor in that game. They were awful. They weren't prepared. They weren't well coached. They didn't execute. The Lions, they just made a couple costly decisions, and they had a few key plays where they didn't execute. They very easily could have won that game. You have to feel great if you're a Lions fan moving forward because you just showed you can go toe-to-toe with everybody in the NFC.
1: You missed any of today's show, and it was a lively one, to say the least. (laughs) We were joined by Legeria Sneed. We were joined by Dan Graziano. Jeff Saturday. You can get it all by subscribing to our podcast wherever you get podcasts, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whatever. Go there. Subscribe, rate, and review Carlin versus Joe. Happy birthday to to Phil Collins. What about Phil Collins? I birthday. just saw he
2: was trending. I hit the button. Happy third birthday, Phil Collins. Happy birthday. What are the greats? Happy love, Phil 73rd. Collins. Did I say third?
0: Thanks for listening to the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin vs. Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.